Hi everyone! Welcome to the Curiously Creative Podcast. Curiously Creative loves creativity and inspiring people to follow their own creative curiosities. We hope to bring you a bit of joy and inspiration with everything we do so that you can fall in love with creativity too. I'm your host, Akriti Lee, and each month I share conversations with all kinds of creative people who share their journeys and unique perspectives around their own creativity. We hope these conversations help us understand our own creative process and have the courage to live more creative lives. Today I'm super excited to share my conversation with the very inspiring, artistic and deep-thinking gelato genius Giapo Grazioli. Giapo is the founder and creator of the gelato company Giapo. Their creations are described as some of the craziest, tastiest and most luxurious edible works of art. From delicious and unique flavor combinations, to wearable gelato, to international dishes represented in gelato form. Their quest to change how people experience ice cream has made their creations go beyond traditional forms and push the boundaries to deliver a gelato experience unlike any other. Giving them worldwide acclaim and being listed as one of 51 excellent ice cream shops around the world. Alright, so firstly, I'll say thank you for taking this time to be with me because I know you're insanely busy and like I was saying before been having your ice cream for such a long time that it kind of feels like a full circle coming back and now interviewing the maker. I guess the first question really is to get an idea of how it first started for you. Have you always known that gelato and a business around it has been your passion and something that you wanted to set up a business for? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored to be with you today. Oh, likewise. And likewise. welcome. Welcome in my studio, in my home. I'm in the kitchen. In the kitchen, in my little place. Enchiora, everyone. I'm 40 years old. Some of the memories of me when I was 15, I mean, I was trying to understand how the world goes. And I was going to art school, art and history, classic studies with ancient Greek and... Uh, lots of art and uh, I remember that I wanted to be yeah I wanted to be an artist but at 15 and 14 what did I know and uh, I did not even have defined what art was for me and it could have really be to set up a business you know so I, you, you never know what it is but I knew that I did not want to be normal as I was inspired deeply by what was around me look I'm Italian I feel extremely lucky to be in New Zealand but also lucky yeah to be born in probably the most uh, wonderful art rich country in the world you know and so everything that was around me was an inspiration you know from the church the church where I come from any of them and uh, there are many like one at each corner can be turned into a museum anytime take the name church away and you call it the museum of and you just go in and you enjoy what they have because it's very common that in a provincial church somewhere in Italy you may find incredible masterpieces. The desire was always to kind of be some form of an artist even though the clarity around it wasn't there. What art meant to you, how it was going to manifest. How did it translate into gelato? (laughs) I don't know. Don't know? I don't know. I knew that I was going to do it my way. And I think this was in a way clear to me that anything 
that I was going to do had to be my own. So I would not have wanted to do what my father was doing, nor wanted to do what my family was about to do. Yeah, I've always been a bit of a black sheep, but also full of courage and self-confidence, mainly based on the fact that I was prepared to sacrifice and to work harder than anyone. So that will give me, the, and still today, does give me the confidence and the strength to do what I do. But you also have to love what you do as well, right? Yeah. Or have some kind of strong passion of some sort or interest in what it is you're working hard for. Yeah. So I'm also a firm believer, Akriti, that God forbid to have one passion or one love. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That God. was one of my questions. God forbid. Yeah. Too many times we get disappointed. The biggest strength, the biggest advice I'd like to give to the next generation, the one that is coming up, I now belong to an older generation mm -hmm. being 40, is not to lose enthusiasm, that a new door will always open. And therefore, prepare your life from the early stages with as many passions as you have. Football, writing, drawing, painting, cooking, business, history, science, physics, chemistry, literature, anything. Well, Visual arts, anything. Because, yeah, of course, you love to do, the, you want to become Michael Jordan. Who wouldn't? Who would not want to be Pavarotti? Life is never straightforward. It hasn't been very straightforward to me. It has been pretty curvy. Very curvy. What would have I known age 16, age 21, age 25, and that I would have ended up making ice cream? I didn't know. Did you ever have a, a love for ice cream? Were you like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just like you, like yeah. probably everyone else in the world. As much as I love what I do, trust me, to do what I do 15, 18 hours a day, Every single day, mm. 10, 11 years on, never had the holiday. Uh, it's quite something. This year is probably the first year we go on a break. You need lots of passion, mm -hmm. but I'm happy to move on anytime. Having said that, I won't change what I do with anything. Because I, I can put the same amount of passion and interest for the things that are with me. Chemistry, physics, basketball, art, any sorts of art. Every time I see a human being coming out, mm -hmm. it makes me happy. You know, I see that there is a soul that wants to touch my soul. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know, and I love it. At the end of the day, whatever you put your love and your energy and hard work into, it can thrive. Going back to that idea of doing this day and out, long hours, you know, one of the things that comes up in a lot of conversations in this context as well is that when you're doing something for so long, for so many hours because you need to get things done to make them happen, you sometimes lose sight of why you love what you do. Maybe not for you, but for some people, when you get quite busy, you forget why you started. I think at age 15, because this is where, as far as my mature mind goes and also started, maybe there was the need of a young boy to express himself. So there is an ego. They want to come out. And I remember that. Now, age 40, so that ego got me to do so many things, to win so many 
disappointments of failures and, and rejections and uh, now that I'm telling them the, the more I tell them the more they come yeah. the more they come the more I have I can talk to you about my failures all my life until you know I got so used to it the good thing is the more you have them the more you get used the more they do nothing to you it's a muscle you develop in your brain and it's called resilience yes. the resilience muscle yeah, I was lucky because the ego may got the spark started. Having always worked hard all my life, I've always studied and I've always dedicated myself and my everything to what I was trying to do. The ego by himself would not have done much. Yeah, so the self-confidence because of the studies, because of what my family had built into my mind as successes. And so even though I wasn't getting an award, but within the familiar nucleus, just the idea that we were working harder than the cousins, than the friends, than ourselves, or just harder than yesterday, was everything. And uh, that was the award, that was the prize. So somehow mom and dad really helped me to build the self-confidence and kind of unconsciously making me focus on the process without really looking where is it going, you know. Right, right. So would you say to kind of stay connected to your drive and your passion, you kind of stay on track that you're not working from the ego and more focusing on the process and that's because of the kind of upbringing by default with yes. your parents? I think that's the most important, that's the luck of my life. Mom and dad. The luck of my life. Because I understand how important it is to have um, a family and parents that help you see the world in a certain way. In our home, luck didn't exist. I was just working hard. Dad is a big worker and mom, she's still a big fighter and a big worker. Process rather than the outcome. It's process rather than the outcome. Mm. Yeah, good things will happen. And that's automatically get you to resilience, you see? That's true. Because the process will accept the failure, will accept the rejection. It's part of the process. So in terms of how maybe other people can navigate through failure and maintain a positive outlook, you would say just trust the process, stay engaged with it as much as possible. And that way, failure just becomes another thing that you just get part past. Of the process. It's just part of the process, rather than hung up about the outcome. That's 100%. Nice. As I said before, it's mindset that naturally comes to you. What is beautiful about all of this? It's one thing. Look, we live in an incredible time, like never before. What Elon Musk is trying to do is unprecedented on so many levels, okay? Mm -hmm this gentleman signed this work contract and do you know what will be his salary 2.6 billion one man but this gentleman by the name of Elon Musk is teaching us so much in terms of art risk courage failure process the fact that he's entitled or feels entitled mm. to have a salary or a compensation I don't know how he's gonna call that thing should make all of us artists or want to be artists yeah. kind of, yeah man, go, you know, you made it, you are inspiring us, one day it's going to be our tour, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen for all of us, I'm very optimistic.
think the climate is also changing where, including yourself and me and so many other people that are emerging, that they don't just identify themselves in one label. They've got multiple passions like we were talking about before. Oh, look at them. And they've got mu multiple skills yeah. and struggle with that aspect of themselves because sometimes there's this tension that you have to choose one thing. You can't focus on many things. I am a little bit like this. I, I have a many lot of people are. I have many passions, but I have really decided to do that one thing better every day. I want to use all my capabilities, so all my energy because I know that if I will dedicate some of, all, of my other time to something else yes. uh, I will not have enough time to this unfortunately hospitality is like this yes. and uh, yeah I accepted it you know it's the sacrifice mm -hmm. that I decided to pay in advance to do this it's nothing compared to what and the risk that Elon Musk has gone through yes. the wonderful thing about the times that we're living and the inspiration that comes from this one man for all of us who want to be artists, is that he was one of us. It was just very normal. And uh, yeah, he's putting together three, four, five companies, I'm not sure how many. And each of them, they'll be changing the world in what they've decided to do. I know you say what he's doing and what you're doing it's different. is different. Because of yeah. course he has skills, talents that I'm not even prepared to learn. I define myself as a wannabe artist. He's a full visionary, entrepreneur, artist. He's everything. At the end of my career, I will hope to have achieved something um, as far as ice cream is concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's my dream. But like how you were saying that he brings together so many different elements of his knowledge, the artistic, the scientific, technological. Even though it's not to that scale, I feel you do tap and integrate aspects of that, maybe not to that magnitude. Definitely, because that's our way, that's my way of expressing my art. I embrace risk. I fight fears every day, as he does. Of course, he has been able to play games that are way bigger. But what I'm saying is, the inspiration that comes from the man, he was just one of us. And uh, today was on the paper that he's signing his new employment agreement for 2.6 billion. <laughs> like, Crazy. unprecedented. <laughs> Not that I'm really interested in so much money, but if there is one thing that kind of pops to my mind is maybe for once, talent, skills, working hard, fighting the fears, embracing the risk, courage, being bold, and being focused actually is directly proportional to, yeah, to income. We all want to be inspired by his freedom to say by 2060 he wants to be on the moon or so on Mars or something. You want to land back a shuttle? Not even the NASA does it. He's now able to land and to park outside his home, the shuttle that goes on the space. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like not even the NASA is down there. So those things really change every day, you know? That's true. And then when you see those things and you see that he wants to sign a contract with these companies for mm -hmm. 2.6 bill, for whatever reason, he thinks he deserves that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to have an opinion whether it's right, wrong, too much money, too little money. I'm just saying, for once, it really seems to me that people that are taking big risks and working harder than anyone else are embracing fear and they are being authentic and mm -hmm. bold. 
is actually associated with a solid, uh, incredible income. And being a dreamer myself, uh, well, that's all I really want. The thing is, the being poor sucks. No one wants to be poor. So everybody wants to have some money. And, and the people that, like me, has decided to become an artist, uh, even artists has to live. You know? And uh, I've been, in doing art, it's taking risks. And having that authenticity, like you were saying, authentic voice, on top of the hard work and everything, what is your advice for artists who are still trying to work out what their authentic voice is? We can't wait. That's the only thing you were born for. That's the only thing we are interested in. Remember that the only reason why people will ever buy anything from you is because they hope to be inspired by the freedom you took to do the things that you are doing. And that's the inspiration I was trying to tell you about from Elon Musk, you know? Yes, I get it. The guy said, I'm going to go on Mars, whether it's going to make it or not. But the bullshit or the incredible idea of saying, I'm going to go on Mars, it's an incredible act of freedom that he's taking, an incredible risk that he's taking, a big challenge. So far, wow, he's, all, he's proving everyone wrong. Like, I don't know anyone who said, okay, I'm going to be with you. But also showing to everyone else as well, the possibilities are so limitless. And are limitless, yeah. are limitless, because our potential is limitless. I know you said you've had a lot of failures, but can you think of a particular significant one that was very, maybe, transformative and gave you strong force to kind of push through and get back up from? Too many. Uh, I've been fired four or five times abruptly. Every single time has been a huge, uh, a huge thing for me, and uh, I've been able to, yeah, to go back up. It wasn't easy to move on, but somehow I made it. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't easy. It's never been easy. The inspiration should be to fail harder mm. and to fail more. Because if you're not failing, you're not growing. You're not yeah. doing much. So fail smart, fail fast. But fail. And sometimes, and you know, for us it's quite um, inspiring that we have also learned in the kitchen, we have learned to fail deliberately. Oh, like we know we're going to fail. Yeah. And, and we do it for the sake of it. And you learn so much when you do that way. You give yourself space to experiment. And that's where art is, you know, yeah. it's at the edge. Yeah, that's true. When, when you actually know that what you're going to do may not be for everyone. And that's okay. And it's okay. Yeah. In terms of how you generally come up with your ideas, your, you know, for various things, whether it's how you offer your, your services in your business capacity or how you come up with new flavors for your ice creams or your styles and ideas, etc. I believe there is one common denominator in his working art that comes with lots of resilience that comes with accepting failure as part of the process, mm -hmm. that comes with being grateful with what you are and what you have, that you have a roof, that you're drinking great water, mm -hmm. that you live in a wonderful country, that today there is sunshine or it's raining. So grateful. Grateful for whatever you have or you don't have, still be grateful mm -hmm. and feel lucky. So that, that put everything in perspective. And so the, the creative process, I think, starts from there. The creative process for me, and I, as I believe it is for uh, any innovator, is to start from the end. I mean by from the goal? There's no goal. 
Starting from the goal, do you see like, fuck, I'm going to start from the sale. How am I going to sell more? Not really. Because the moment you think, how am I going to sell more? The next question would be, well, where are more people? I'm going to be there and I'm going to do, I'm going to enter the market with more people and I'm going to do what everyone else is doing exactly the same way. And at the point in time, you find yourself fighting with all the others. And even though in that segment there may be millions or billions of people, you will be sharing it with millions or billions of other people that are trying to do exactly the same thing as you. I said, I want to be an innovator. So that gives you the, the assumption that I won't be doing what everyone else is doing. And so how do you start from the end when you want to be an innovator? And how does that relate with art, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the whole shabang. The mindset is this. We need to empathize. Empathy is a synonym of intelligence. Both solve issues, problems. You are intelligent because you can solve problems. You empathize when a person shows you a problem and you may have or may not have a solution and you empathize. I often say that empathy really requires an action, which is the solution at least, you know, trying to. In real world, though, this is theoretically. Yeah. In real world, to be an innovator, you don't know what the problem is. No. Exactly. It's when exactly. you immerse yourself in the process and the experience, you start to see. It's, it's, it's to guess. see. Yeah. But what are you trying to see, Akriti? You are trying to see what has not been said yet. Everyone has seen everything. It's one world. It doesn't matter you're not living in New York or in Paris or in Rome. It's one world. It's all online. It's all on Instagram. It's all on Facebook. Mm. So whatever happens there, it's in your home. Well, it's not even what hasn't been said yet. What hasn't been said in the way you have to say it. But I'm not so much interested in the way I have to say it. And that's the difference. Because this is where everyone gets caught, Akriti. It's, it's what she, the customer, right, got, yeah. would want or wish to see it. That she hasn't said it yet. And when you present it to her in a certain way, mm-hmm. she finds out that you are actually for her. Her unspoken desire. Essentially, we are going to tap into what she hasn't figured out yet. And this is the leap. And the moment that you do that, you take the risk to be completely misunderstood or to be elevated as a genius. We take one and the other with strong humility. Because it's the process that matters. So whether you call me a Jesus, I just laugh at you. Whether you call me a disaster and a stupid, I laugh. Because I understand that is just part of my process. I wasn't blessed by God. It came to me, oh, job, oh, you have to do this, and no. so everybody buys what they do. No, really, that thing doesn't exist. I think that's a big misconception, that people Huge. think that people who are successful in creative fields, are that they are blessed with a certain talent. We don't see the behind the scenes. That's I believe the in human potential. Mm-hmm. I believe in not giving up. I believe in being grateful in feeling lucky, yeah. even when everything goes wrong. I'm a cancer survivor. I got declared dead four oh, times. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What can I tell you, you know? Yeah, I, I've been through the war. I got more surgeries than probably most people. Still feel grateful, blessed, lucky to be here. And uh, I still have lots 
to say and to do and I hope that the things that I say and do will be solving problems that people does not know yet to have. Our job is to see that. So true. When you are multi-passionate, regardless of how much energy and focus you put on one thing or the other, there is this need or feeling of a need to describe yourself professionally, which is, I think, overrated. But because sometimes there's this need to fit into particular traditional boxes or labels. How do you describe yourself, even though you do plenty of I, I want to be an artist. I'm not an artist yet. I'm trying. And, and I'll be trying until I'll be 60, 70. Then maybe I'll go fishing. Until then, I want to be an artist. I'll probably be an artist all my life. I, I will try to be an artist all my life. My language is ice cream. I'm trying to change ice cream, if that's not clear. I'm changing the way people experience it. You know, you yeah. never had anything like this. You never had that cross panel. No, I'm looking forward to having that you, after. You, you never had. So where do you where do you get the ideas for say doing the hot cross bun? Is it in conversation or do you? Really Any idea is really a brainchild of its own uh, its own thing. Can come from anywhere. Really. Yes and no. The source code, if you understand computer talking, the mother of all the thoughts mm -hmm. has to be there. So if I'm up to being, I don't know, unreliable, uh, up and down, untrustworthy, as far as ice cream is concerned, if I'm interested just in the income, if I'm trying to do probably what everyone else is trying to do in terms of what they create or produce, mm -hmm. I probably have a different source code than what I have. So for source code, I really mean what you stand for, why you're doing it. What is your intention behind what you're creating? Yes. And we want to change the way people experience ice cream. And ice cream is our language, mm. which is probably the most popular language in the world. Yes. <laughs> With bread, bread and ice cream are the two most popular food in the world. Every single country, everywhere. Mm. So clarity into that source code of why you're doing it will always give you the pinpoint of where to go. Although you do get lost. I know you get lost. I received three or four franchise requests a week. The 24th oh, wow. of December, I was offered $4 million for the business. I refused. And me and my wife, we, we look at each other and we said, if we take it, we don't even know what to do. But we said, no, we are not interested. This is our dream. And we have a dream. We want to change ice cream. And we are inspired by the potential that we express and our team is expressing. The beauty that has happened, before I was talking about ego, there's been a huge evolution. At the moment, it's not me anymore. That's that purpose and the intention, the source code, like you say. It's that now. That is your currency, you know? Currency. Whether, and that's why people now want to be part of it. And it cannot be one-sided. You cannot, you cannot be only good to the customer and then you have a shit relationship with your staff. So the source code must be real valuable and strong and true. And trust is three ways, you yeah. know. You, your staff should really trust you. You should really trust them. We trust our customer and the customer mm. trusts us. And the promises that we make are slightly different mm -hmm. on every single side. Mm. To our customer, we promise that our, that our ice cream will be incredible. It will be a different experience mm. than you may have in any other ice cream shop in the world. Yes. 
that we promise to change the way you have experienced ice cream so far. Mm. With our staff, our promises that when they join us, we help them to become a little bit more artists than they ever have been. Mm. We value innovation. We pay them three times the normal wage for anything they do that is extra, extra CV, extra job description, extra. Mm. Everyone and every single them come and meet with me every three weeks for a performance review. We probably have the strongest culture any company I've ever seen anywhere. And I'm so proud of it. It took me forever to do it. And I'm so proud of every single person that work here because I know that they really mean it. I will be nothing without them. If any of them leaves me, each of them makes a huge low hole in the company. Every one of them contribute with their own specific profile, skills, things in their own way and we just love that. That's really nice to hear. I think it's like you say, it's very rare. It's very rare. So I see the people coming to me that we've never seen this. How can you how can you afford this? How can you do this? Look, said I'm not kinda affording it. I'm trying. Just help me making it sustainable. But that's the thing, the keyword is sustainable. If you want to grow in your idea and your vision and your business, you can't do so yourself. without yourself but also without creating that culture and that space for other people who work alongside you and for you. Having a space for them to grow means the business will thrive because they want to thrive within it. Look, I've spent yeah. eight or nine years being the chef of this company and most, not probably all, of the things that we have done until a couple of years ago, they could probably be referred to me, my wife as well. Things have changed. From a chef, I became a coach. And so I'm there, propping them, supporting them, pushing them. The thing is that we are so much hands-on, you know, yeah. between me and my wife. We are so intertwined mm -hmm. in every single process of the company, from the creativity to the sales to the production. We oversee everything. We've got about 30-plus people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes probably we have 42, 43 we have achieved. Every single day, come and meet with me, sit down, cup of coffee, every three weeks. None of them leaves. We probably at the moment have the lowest turnover in the country. That's awesome. And so that performance review, it's often our opportunity to listen. And for us, as the employer of the company, to see how can we be relevant to you. Once you are in the family, you are in the family. When you have that, that energy also translates into how your customers experience your service. Definitely. You might not be able to quantify it, but it definitely does. Definitely. So culture is my biggest challenge. It's my, my work, culture and trust. It's a work that never ends, I think. Trust and culture is But I can tell you, I'm seeing the results. Yeah. And they are, uh, they are amazing. Nice. That's something really important to consider, because having an idea and vision is one thing. How are you going to build it together? How are you going to build a team and culture around it? It's, I was so naive at creative. When yes. I started this place, I was 27. What did I know? You know, it's just with the time and the continuous faith that we, mm. you know, if we don't learn out of them, what are we doing? Yeah? What has helped you develop more courage and confidence in your journey so far? I don't know. I wish I knew, my friend. What a question. It's one of the things that I try to understand to help my kids, you know. Yeah. 
Interesting. I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing. What if we looked at Courage and Conference in a different way? Say, from when you first started the business, between then and now, do you feel anything in that process has kind of helped you develop more courage and more confidence in what you're doing? I can say that choosing to be an artist comes with its own risk and with its own fear because if you want to be a real artist, you want to change someone. And that's not easy. People don't always like change. They actually never like change. What you can say is, when you start, you don't even know that you probably are trying to do some art. You're just trying a bunch of things, really. And you really hope that something works. And that's probably the hardest part. Trusting the process. Trusting the process and also kind of understanding what you want to do with your life. Mm. But once you realize what you want to do with your life, it's entirely up to you to work to build your own narrative and where your art is going to focus on. And with the time, building the literature of all your things. The more the time goes, the bigger is the literature, the higher will be the trust that people give you, and the higher will be your confidence, I hope, to keep doing that sort of change. The heartbeat is the beginning, I believe, for any artist, because you have no narrative, zero literature because you haven't started you have no narrative nobody knows you you haven't really shown anything to anyone so no, no literature you're taking a leap of faith it's a huge yeah. leap of faith yeah. the hardest thing for the artist is to be understood I think the best and the greatest artists of this world have never been discovered art is not in the creation of that art piece that's part of your art but it's not everything and you need way more to change someone and to deliver your art. It's so complicated and cumbersome and hard. Look, selling an art piece, like a real art piece, something that nobody needs, is the hardest thing in the world. That's why probably the greatest artists are also the greatest marketer. You don't get them to buy with their head, you get them to buy with their heart. And I think, I guess, it comes back to that experience as well. It's like the matter of what you are creating, that you have to tap into that, the heart of what it is that you're creating and connecting with the person that you're selling to. Art is to show me the thing. Mm. That's part of art. My son Pasquale, he's very good at drawing. And you can ask him to draw anything, he'll mm -hmm. do it. But that is far from anyone to call him an artist. artist. He has no narrative, no literature much. I'm probably the only one who knows about him. So, the fact that he has talent, or a passion, or a skill to do some cool drawings doesn't make him an artist. Art, it's something else. It requires time, it requires your development of your own language, and it requires you to change someone. And of course, while Pasquale may be changing me, I still don't want to call that thing art. I think it's a really beautiful definition. You could also say that art is a way of living or is a way of a mindset. It's a mindset. So if you don't have that connection to it, then you'll never build that narrative because then it will only be this it will be this thing that doesn't have any meaning behind it. It sits in isolation. For art or an artist to have value and meaning, I think it needs to, like you say, this might be a bit deep, but treat life like your canvas and... And draw that into how you express it, whatever that looks like. A 
piece of painting, a product, an ice cream, uh, the medium doesn't matter. Medium is irrelevant. Medium is irrelevant. So many people ask me, why ice cream? Because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I could have done what I'm doing with the ice cream with anything else. It was just convenient to me that after having failed with a pastry shop and I wanted to open a restaurant, it made sense for me back then, without much of a thought or an idea behind, to start an ice cream shop. Don't ask me why. Don't ask oh, me. I see. So you first started with a pastry shop yeah. and that didn't work out. And then you like just switched to ice cream, but no, because you could. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, because I didn't want to fail. You know? mm. I wanted to give it another go. So I went to the bank and uh, I opened two more credit cards and um, I, I bought a freezer, an ice cream machine. Can you elaborate on what you meant by you didn't want to fail? Well, I was running out of money. Nobody was buying what I was doing. And now, 10 years later, 11 years later, I think that I probably should have insisted with the first thing. But what did I know 11 years ago? I wanted to be fast and quick. And I changed after three months. But if I had done what I'm doing to ice cream, to pastry, yeah, or to, you could have done that or to food, of course. Giving it time. It's still the same brain, isn't it? There are a lot of people who don't know what they want to do, whether it be with their life or... They need to pick something. It doesn't matter what it is. And they need to commit, even though they're not sure. Like they're sure, as if they're sure. And it doesn't matter, it's not what they hoped. Look, I'm graduated in economics, so I did all my studies like I had to work in a bank. Then I went and worked for a shipping company, I did another degree in shipping and in transportation. Then I moved to New Zealand, I graduated in food science. I never thought I would end up with an ice cream store. I just embraced life. All I knew is that I wanted to work and I wanted to be different and I wanted to express myself and I probably wanted to be an artist. I think one of the resistance there for a lot of people is that it's scary to try something new and different. It's um, scary to be judged. It's yes. scary. It's scary to do anything. The amygdala is most of the time too ferocious. It's too aggressive. You know what is the amygdala? Yes. Fear control. They eat you up and block you. It's a very small part of your brain, but very powerful. It's the most powerful. I experience everything. Otherwise, I won't be aware of this. Yeah. yeah. You can't win it. No, you. So Look, age that? two, I was bitten by a dog, and I still remember the fucking dog. A German Shepherd. It was huge. I was a little, blonde, little baby, walking my way, going to my grandma, and I remember this huge German Shepherd. It was probably three, four times me. It was a horse. And I love German Shepherd, like the most beautiful dog. Now, yeah. me, age yeah. 40. And the dog came on me and bitten me. From that on, you can imagine the fear of dogs has never gone. It's still with me. Age 40, yeah. I still fear them. I control it, I deep breathe, and I say, nothing is going to happen. Just stay where you are. Everything is going to be okay. You never win the fear. You can fight it. And this is what we owe to ourselves and to the humanity. To move forward, to embrace progress, we need to embrace and fight the fear. And you also need to accept that you can't win it. It's going to be there. It's going to come back. And when the dog is going to bite you, even though you don't move, it's going to be there and telling you, I told you. And you need to be ready to say, shut up. It's like you were saying with the failure. It's like a muscle. You have to train. Same thing. Yeah, it's it's same always thing. the amygdala. 
The only reason why you don't want to try anymore is because you have somatized the negative emotions coming from wasting money, wasting time, uh, uh, dealing with a, a bad experience or bad customer feedback, anything that you failed with. And therefore, you lose enthusiasm and you move on. And that's where everyone loses. We don't have to lose enthusiasm. Dogs are beautiful and we know that, you know. Apparently today is National Puppy Day. <laughs> that, that story, I was smiling as you were telling me about the German Shepherd dog because... It happened to you. It had the same thing. I was scared of dogs, but now I'm a dog lover as well. But same, sometimes same. I get a little bit like, oh! And you can't win the fear. <laughs> no, you can't. It still comes back every now and again and you're like, oh, no, this is irrational. You talk to it and you go, no. But the crime that too many people commit is to give in and not face it and not try to fight it or to control it. And not just with the dog, with everything in their life. So pretty much everyone that age 22, 23, 24, 25, 30 hasn't still decided what to do. I believe there is a lot to do with fear and the fact that they don't want to be rejected anymore. That um, the fact that they don't know where to go is because it's been pretty tough for them until now and they kind of don't know. They want to they wanna pick the right thing. The truth is, there is no right thing. There is no right thing. So I really hope that they embrace anything that they really like and they trust the process. And that's not just for young people. Like there's one I was reading where this guy didn't pick up a paintbrush till he was 50, 55 because when he was 9 or 10, he put his drawing up on the fridge and his dad called him a faggot. And that stuck in his heart. He couldn't pick up a paintbrush because that made him, made him unworthy in some way. And it's amazing how long something can stick. That one moment, I think it's something that's a good reminder, regardless of what age you are, what life stage you are in, whether you're young or new at something that you're doing, at any point in life, I think that fear, that amygdala, to be conscious of it, that it's there and it is irrational. I can't win it, but you have to keep pushing against it. I'll finish off with one last thing. So I read and I heard that a lot of people call you the genius scientist of ice cream. I laugh at that. <laughs> but I thought from there I'll take that as inspiration to pick a quote from Albert Einstein where he says that Imagination is more important than knowledge. 100%. Knowledge is limited. Knowledge imagination is limited. encircles the world. It's all about imagination. It's understanding what she hasn't seen yet and picture it up and give it to her. It's imagination. It's like what you were talking about, Elon Musk as well. Yeah. It's all imagination. And the freedom that he's taking is the inspiration that we're buying when we buy the Tesla and when we have the battery pack in at home. Or we see another space shuttle going in the space with his name on it. Because it's the freedom that he took to show us his imagination that is it all about. Mm. Yes. Thank you so much, Diapo. My pleasure, Katie. Thank you very inspiring. much. I learned a lot, a lot today. So that's it for this episode of Curiously Creative. We hope it has sparked a little, or a lot, of creativity and curiosity in you. Curiously Creative is a production by Curiously Creative. Who would have thought? So if you'd like to know our comings and goings and check out some more inspiring content, 
head on over to curiouslycreative.co.nz. Until the next episode, with lots of love and a massive splash of joy, Akriti, your creative curiosity advocate. Oh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a comment on iTunes as it helps more people find these conversations.